Okay, so today's theme, I'd say, is missions. And um, so I was asked, what is missions to me today? Um, and I've always had a heart for missions. I come from a missionary family. I My first like missions trip without my family was when I was 16. Since then, I've been to a couple. Um, I used to say when I was little that when I'd grow up, I wanted to be a missionary. I think my um, reason for that was just the traveling, honestly. <laughs> Not the Jesus bit, but <laughs> the intention's there anyway. Um, but the question is, what is missions? And to me, first of all, is it's sacrifice. And as we were worshiping just then, and when we were praying and Bill was praying, I found myself whispering my prayer. And I stood, and I was like, why am I whispering right now? I'm whispering to be polite. I'm whispering so that maybe someone else doesn't hear me. But that was me not doing what I, my heart wanted to do. My heart wanted to shout my praises to God. My heart wanted to shout my prayer to God. But I was being polite. I was staying in my boat. And for me, I want to ask you, first of all, is what are you not willing to sacrifice? Because I feel like we're all sat in this boat Okay, yes, okay, I'll sacrifice my time on Monday only, sorry. I'll sacrifice um, my my tithe then, but that's only my 10%. I'm not giving you any more. Sorry. Um, let's go back to missions. <laughs> missions is living out of a suitcase, if you're short term. Missions is sacrificing that comfort zone. Learning to depend fully on God. No stable income. Prayer is the only foundation you have to stand on. Fear is something that you end up battling every day. It can be bad food, bad stomachs, not being able to understand anything, and being lonely. But missions is also seeing God work in people's lives. It's doing things that are so amazing that you would never be able to accomplish that without God. It's challenging yourself, gaining friendships, seeing that prayer really does work, being so close to God that you can, you know that you can cry out and ask him anything. You know you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It's learning to put others before yourself and watching God's love be shared to people who don't even know it. Missions and evangelism and all of that is just so out of our comfort zone that we were happy with church on a Sunday. We're not happy with church any other day. We're not happy to shout praises to God in a street, but we're okay to share praises in front of church. Um, yes, we can say, what if something bad happens? But then we can also say, what if something good happens? If, for example, next week the mission's to Wales, like, oh, but they're our people. That's not okay to go to our people. We, we know them. They're going to say no to us. But what if someone says yes? The thing I love about going, so I've done a couple short-term missions, and what I say is that I, I'm able to come back and do exactly what I did out there here, I can look at my town and I can look at the need. I can see people from the food bank coming in who are hurt and they just want a conversation. Um, I can see that people have no hope. I can see that people are scared, that people don't know what to stand on anymore. Um, and we can do that right here. We don't need to go abroad. And it is scarier here. But like I said this last the week before last, that... Faith is stepping out of that boat, but are you willing to go that extra step? There we go. <laughs> Here's a man who loves God with all his heart, and he loves people. 
And um, Joe. Don't worry about the box. As a father of a three-week-old, I just carry nappy boxes around everywhere I go. What does mission mean to me? I was, uh, well, let me read a verse first, and then I'll tell you a story. If you've got your Bibles, you can uh, follow along with me. It's Romans uh, chapter 10, verse 12. And it says, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Praise God, because I'm a Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear some with, without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I was traveling down about nine years ago, traveling down through uh, Morocco, down into Western Sahara. We passed this town called Bujdor. Not a, not a huge town, about 10, 15,000 people. And the guy we were with, I asked him, I said, is there a church here? And he said, he said there's not a single Christian in this town. And, uh, and I realized that that town had loads of people my age in it. You know, at the time, I think I was 21, 22. And, uh, and it struck me, if no one went and told those 21, 22-year-olds about Jesus, then they would grow and they would die never having heard. And uh, that was when it really hit me. Now, that's not actually what mission is all about. But that's the beginning of us beginning to understand it. What mission is all about is the glory of God. You see, Bujdor has a calling. That town has a calling on it that it is supposed to be glorifying the one who created it. And so our job as missionaries, or if you get involved in mission um, in the nations, is to call those people into glorifying God in the way God wants them to. You know, it's fantastic that we're here and praising God and giving him glory. But he's saying, what about, what about those guys? They're not glorifying me yet. What about the guys in northern India? They're not glorifying me yet. What about the warao in the jungles of South America? They're not glorifying me yet. And he you know, he could just appear to them, couldn't he? But he loves working with us. You know, he could just appear to everyone in Clanathley, and then they could make a simple choice, yes, no, going to follow him or I'm not. But he's, he wants so much more than that. He wants a richer path for us, and that's the path of drawing us in and saying, you go and show them. I'll reveal myself to you, and then I'll reveal myself through you. Your job is to be obedient. You go and be obedient, whether that's Clanathley or whether that's England or other parts of the U.K., or whether God wants to take you to the other side of the world. Caitlin and I went to Venezuela. We spent a, uh, a year and a half being trained in missions, and then we went out and worked in with a tribe there. And just before we left, uh, a woman gave us a prophetic word and said, you're about to be sent out of this country, and when you get back to Wales, your job is to bless Venezuela. And we didn't know what that was or what it looked like. When we got back here, um, we trained with a large group of Venezuelans who all wanted to go to the hardest places. These guys are just incredibly hardcore. I thought I was quite hardcore, and then I met these guys, and we were the ones constantly saying, I think we're going to leave this training program. I don't think we can do it. And they were sort of getting up at 5, 6 o'clock to get on their knees and pray for two, three hours before session started. Incredible bunch of people. And some of them went out to the nations, and then they had to come back because Venezuela hit economic turmoil 
Um, inflation shot up and actually went up to a million percent. I thought, to help you understand what a million percent looks like, I thought I'd just give away money. Who'd like some money? Yeah, here you go. Here's 100 Bolivars. Now, when we first got to Venezuela, that was like a fiver. Um, I've got 500. Who's like, who'd like 500? You don't even have to give it back to me. This is a 500. Um, that is about two months after we arrived in Venezuela, that was worth about a fiver. Who'd like 20,000? Here you go. Before, yeah. Before you run down to, uh, to Thomas Cook to change that, um, what about, what about 100,000? Who'd like 100,000? You, you'd like 100,000? No. Sorry, it's too late. I thought to give you an analogy, as we left, we were carrying money around in rucksacks. Here I've got um, not even a full toilet roll. And uh, here, just got... Lots and lots of money. In fact, there's more money here than there is pieces of toilet paper. I'd need probably six or seven times this to buy this now. So when we go to the Venezuelan, and no one will, sorry to, sorry to burst your bubbles, guys, no one will exchange Venezuelan currency anymore. You can go with 30 million, and they won't even give you a pound. It is not worth the paper that it's printed on. Now, the Venezuelan church paid for some of the Venezuelans to go out, and they, they put aside money, and they supported them. Some of them went to India, one of them went to Jordan, some of them went to Africa, but they all had to come back again because the church couldn't afford to send them. We did the math, and it was something like 17,800 years of minimum wage to keep a Venezuelan on the mission field for a year. Completely impossible, and people around them are starving. So we said to the Venezuelan church, we at World Horizons want to stand in the gap for you guys. And we want to raise funds to send out these missionaries to the places that need to hear. And you guys, the small amount of money you're able to provide, use that in your local communities. You know, buy food and feed the poor. And the churches in Venezuela are doing that. They're working hard to get food together and feeding the, the starving people around them because lots of people are starving now. So we launched, um, in World Horizons, we launched what we call V2020, Vision 2020. Can I have the next slide? And it's very simple. To work alongside the World Horizons Venezuela team in aiding the move of 20 World Horizons trained Venezuelans from Venezuela to the mission field before the end of the year 2020. Because even though there's turmoil in Venezuela, there's still countries that need to hear about Jesus, and people aren't going. And here in Venezuela, we've got 20 people who are saying, let me at them. You know, I want to go. And they can't. And the only reason they can't go is because of finances. And next one. So far... It takes about 17 to 18,000 pounds, depending on where a Venezuelan is going, to send them for two years. So far, we've sent out a girl called Islendi. We've raised the money for Elizabeth, and we're currently raising funds for a girl called Helen. Now, in February, we had 10,000. If anyone knows mission organizations, we're not known for having a lot of money. So when God gave us this vision of send out 20 Venezuelans, we said that's completely impossible. But we'll pray. And that will make it possible. So we started to pray. So two people are now on the field. And, uh, and in February, we had 10,000 raised. Can I have the next slide? A little bit of background on Helen. The reason I really want to share about Helen is we just love this girl. She, she came and spent two years with us in the Wara. She's one of those girls who can dress really nicely. And then she can also just like trudge through the mud. She is a warrior. And wherever she goes, she's going to do everything she can to bring the kingdom of God there. I was on a boat with Helen. We broke down. Uh, another boat passed. We were able to give Caitlin and Levi to this other boat and said, please just take them to safety. We're about eight hours away. 
um, from help. Uh, no phone signal or anything, and Helen was there. And we ran out of water. You know, we were waiting for people to come to try and pick us up. No one was coming. It hit one day, it hit two days. We'd used up all our water. Maybe in the br I pulled out this little life straw because the, the river's really contaminated and dirty. You, know, you drink from that, you're going to really struggle. And uh, so I pulled out this life straw, feeling very proud of myself. I was like, look what I've got, guys. You just put it in the water. What I didn't realize is the little head on a life straw is just perfect breeding ground for cockroaches. And while I'd had it stored in my bag, a cockroach nest had, uh, had sort of birthed itself in the head of the straw. So I very proudly sort of put it in my mouth, went, <laughs> and just sucked like six cockroaches into my mouth. So uh, I was just spitting them out everywhere. She thought this was hilariously funny. Anyway, eventually we got in this little, little dugout canoe and, uh, and started getting towed. And it took us about 12 hours of being towed um, to get out. And Helen sat there, and we were wiping, taking our T-shirts off, putting them in the water, putting them over our heads. It was like 45 degrees. Um, we used up all the water. We were getting severely dehydrated. Lips were cracked and stuff. And Helen didn't complain once. And when we got there, the Warao guy that was with us, who struggled as well, he said to me, he said, that woman, he said, a Warao woman would not have tolerated what that woman tolerated. I said, well, you've got to understand what she's tolerating it for. She's tolerating it for the king. We want to send Helen to Africa. Her heart's been for Africa for years. And I know that when she gets there, she's going to do incredible things. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to go quickly. Can I have the next slide? Um, that was her on Levi's first birthday. We did pancakes in the jungle. Next one. This is where she's going to. Um, this is what our government says about it. Advise against all travel is the red. Advise against all but essential travel is the yellow. There's a different map, which is a kingdom map, which is all of those communities, those Hundreds of thousands of people are going to die without hearing about Jesus. And that far exceeds this map, which says, don't go to these places. Now, actually, some of our guys have been pulled out of these places because they're white and they're specifically being targeted. But one guy came and, sh came and shared with us, Keith, came and shared with us on Horizons a couple of weeks ago. He was working with three pastors. And just after he got pulled out, um, Boko Haram took the pastors behind the church and said to them, now you can choose your God or your life. And all three of them were martyred for the kingdom. Um, but in their place, others are being raised up. And Helen wants to go and join those people. The great thing is, her skin color really helps. She fits in an awful lot better. She doesn't stand out as much as we do. But they're looking at these maps and they're saying, we've got to go there. Because no one else is going there. Whereas we're looking at those maps and saying, whew, Lord, don't send me there. Please don't send me there. All right, let's have the next slide. So we started raising funds. And to date... We've got 16,000. So in the last few months, lots of money has come in. We're only 2,565 pounds away from being able to tell Helen, hey, you supported us. You helped us in the jungle. Your church supported us. Now we're sending you out to the nation that God's called you to. And uh, my, I'm going to unashamedly say, if you want to give towards this, you know, we're doing cake sales and stuff at the back. That's going to raise a few pounds. But if God touches your heart and you feel like God is saying to you, write a check. Write a check because you're going to be, you're going to be blessing me because we love Helen. You're going to be blessing Helen because you're going to be helping her to step into her calling. You're going to be blessing the people of Niger, those who actually won't hear about Jesus unless someone goes. And you'll be blessing God because his name will be glorified in Niger in a way that it wouldn't otherwise. And the only thing standing between us and that happening is 2,500 pounds now. So how can you help? Because I know you're all like, please let me help. Uh, <laughs> Take a gleaning spot. These are free. Take a gleaning spot. Take a bookmark so you can pray. The idea of a gleaning spot, it's a little pot. If you've got spare change, 
Uh, as you come in in your pocket, you just throw the spare change in there. When you finish, there's a little envelope. Um, you put the money in there, or you write a check. You send it back to Horizons, or you just bring the pot to me and say, hey, Joel, here's some money. Or you pour it out, keep the pot, bring me the money, and keep, keep gleaning. So gleanings jars. That's how it started in Horizons. We put a little pot on the counter, and we raised 4,000 pounds in two months uh, from missionaries. Um, incredible. So take a gleanings pot if you can. Uh, take a bookmark. Offerings. There's slices of cake and cupcakes and sweets. Take one, throw in a quid or two if you want to. Um, we're doing a silent auction. Um, I'm a climbing instructor, so I'm going to take six people climbing um, to the gower. Write down, write down how much you'd like to pay to be taken to the gower. We'll do a silent auction as people write it. Hopefully the price will go up and up and up, and we'll get Helen out onto the field. And uh, there's a V2020 cake that I made with Levi. It, I cannot vouch for the quality of this cake. Um, but I can vouch for the quality of Helen, you know. Let's give. Let's get Helen to the field. And uh, I'm super excited about the next Venezuelan. And when Helen's on the field, I'll hopefully come back and tell you about the next person we're raising it for. But let's today make a difference to Niger. Amen? Thank you. That's great. Very interesting this morning, isn't it? All about mission. All about what we feel about mission. We've heard from Carmela. We've heard from uh, Joel. Uh, Joel, I think, would you say your time in Venezuela, that was long-term mission? In between? Beginnings of, yeah, beginnings of long-term mission. Carmela has done quite a lot of short-term, hasn't she? But for me, I think mission is all of long-term, short-term, and the present. (laughs) And I do believe strongly, absolutely, about uh, what what Joel said about that mission is about calling people into a place of glorifying God and that's what our lives are to do in him it's to glorify him and so I thank God that he's calling us to a place of building prayer building prayer being a house of prayer and uh, being a people that want to see communities changed whether that's here locally nationally or internationally and I think God is on the move very clearly all over Wales. We had some really interesting um, conversation about how God is moving in England as well. All right. People talk a lot about Wales. I talk a lot about Wales. I'm English. And I think God's doing amazing things in Wales. But actually, he's doing it I th- uh, uh, an awful lot in in um, England as well, and I'm thrilled about that because God is moving in the nation of the UK, and that's good, isn't it? Yeah, that if God can stir us up, that we will become even more focused on his plan for the world, then we will continue to spend time with him, those quiet times, noisy times, whatever, but those find those times to be in his company to sit in his presence, to know his presence, and then to be obedient to what he says do. Because if we sit and spend time in his presence, I mean, you don't always have to sit and know his voice. I'm on the move sometimes, and I hear his voice. The important thing is that we stay tuned in to the Spirit of God, because it's the Spirit of God that God told us that he would leave with us. When Jesus' son went to the cross to, to die for us, that we could be saved, that we could be forgiven of sin. And when Jesus said to his mates that he was going to be with the Father one day, he was going to go to heaven, 
He wouldn't stay on the earth. He was going to go to heaven. Jesus said, I'll never leave you alone. And when Jesus died, when he went back to the Father, then the Holy Spirit came. And that is the power of God in us that enables us to be obedient. You know, when we're a Christian, when we're a follower of Christ, we can choose not to sin. We don't become perfect the day we give our life to Jesus, the day we follow him. But we can make choices to do the right thing. And thank God that if we fail and if we mess up, we can very quickly say, God, I'm sorry. And we walk on, we move on because he forgives us. He's an amazing God. But you and I are here right at this moment in time to bring glory to the Father. And uh, this week, uh, we're going into a week of five days uh, all over Wales of mission, mission to Wales. And churches all over the nation are coming together. There are hubs around the nation. And that is for people to pray together, to worship together, to go out onto the streets, to talk to people about Jesus, pray for the sick. Um, And um, on Thursday evening, we would like to know if you're interested in a litter pick. Because on Thursday evening, at about six-ish, we're looking to go and litter pick the community. But in the morning, 12 till 1, every day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, definitely Friday, possibly Saturday, not Sunday, we will be going out onto the street, unless you feel that some should go out on Sunday. We'll have to talk about that, okay? But we meet here every day, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, half past 10, all right, in the morning. And if you have not even thought about it because of life, then that's okay, all right? But you can pray. And on Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock here, we're meeting again. Um, uh, Martin started the praise and worship nights and prayer on Thursday nights, the last Thursday of the month. That is going to be on Tuesday so that we can come together as a group of people who love each other, but especially love our God and want to see God do amazing things over this next week. Okay, so um, if you can come on Tuesday at seven, that would be great. If you want to come at quarter to seven for a coffee, that would be amazing. Just share some scripture with you to close. 1 Chronicles 16, 23 and 24 says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sorry, sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory amongst the nations, his marvelous deeds among all the people. I was going to use the scripture as well that Joel used. Powerful, the Romans 10 scripture. But uh, here, Matthew 24, 14 says, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Matthew 28, 19 to 18 to 20, we know, says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. And in Acts 1.8 we read, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. Just want to share a couple of quotes that I wrote down in the last couple of weeks. Someone's phone ringing. This here, this here. All right, we're all called. All right, we're all called for the purposes of God, and the purpose of of purpose of God is that we bring, bring glory to Him. That our life we live in such a way that honors Him and blesses Him. 
Remember over time, and I've said, and others have said, that our lives are like living letters. We read a lot of the letters of the apostle in the Bible, don't we? But we, our lives are like living letters. They tell a story. And that story can be good or bad. It can be, you know, it can be up or it can be down. And we're called to live a life that brings him glory. That causes me, all right, to focus on Jesus, to do the things that Jesus says. I'm not perfect. I get things wrong an awful lot. But I know that my focus is on him. My mission is to love him with all of my heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and to love others, all right, to love others. And um, the mission is to bring glory to God. Now, to bring glory to God through our lives, we need to take stock, maybe every day, maybe every week, maybe every, I would say every day, every day, take a little look, make a habit of it, and come in close to God, and let God speak to you and talk to you. Because the spirit of God in you will show you every day of your life things that he would like to perfect in you so that you bring him glory, okay? Whether you're in a good place or a bad place, all right? Whether you're in an okay place or a really tough place, you know? Because life is life, isn't it? All right? It's not a bed of roses, is it? Hey, it's quite tough, okay? I like this. I wrote this down, right? Two things, because I'm interested in my calling. Because for me, and I hope you are too, but my calling in God, uh, uh, for me, is important because I believe I have a destiny in him. And one day I want to stand before him. So what I do with the calling of God on my life is important, all right? I want to say this to you, and some of you might need to hear it. Offenses will kill your calling, all right? Offenses will kill it will kill your calling. And um, a friend of ours said this, and I wrote it down and I liked it. And I think I have to give credit to Andy, but I believe it. To see God, to get, to see God, something has to die in you. Okay? God loves corpses. Because <laughs> if you think about it, we need to die because we're, we die to ourselves and we come alive in him. Okay, so the deader you are, all right, the better it is for him. The more power, as Kate said about the power of prayer, the more power in your life will change things, will change things. Perry goes into her place of work next week, full of the Holy Ghost, full of, full of the Holy Spirit, determined that God will be glorified. I bet your bottom dollar that she'll be able to testify of the goodness of God and the glory of God through her life and how it's affected other people. Because that's the way God works. That is the way he works, okay? So, offenses will kill your calling. To see God, something has to die in you. What has to die in you today? Wonder. Remember, God loves a corpse, okay? Die to self. Come alive in the spirit. Okay, come alive. Let him, let him fill you. Let him just empower you. The lights will come on and you might, I don't know what will happen. Anyway, but God will be glorified. Okay, because if you walk in spirit, things will change. Things will change. All right. Okay. Oh, this is a friend, another friend of mine, and I heard her say this, and I thought, I'm going to, I didn't know why I was looking at it this morning, but I want to share it with you because it's really good statements, all right? It's time to silence the negativity around the nation and call people to action once again. And I think Carmela, Joe, 
um, myself and others here today, we're just saying, church, let's, let's get up. Let's get up. Let's respond to the call to action. Make a difference, okay? It's time to cut out the grasshopper mentality. Little mo me, you know, I can't do anything. I'm a failure. It's time to cut the grasshopper mentality and believe God for more. Believe him for more. The power of God is in you. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. That's what makes the difference. But we can hang on to the fleshy things, the us things, yeah? Okay? Kate was honest enough to say this week, because of the pain in her daughter's face, that she felt worried. That's natural. That is natural for all of us. We're not um, beyond uh, worrying. But we do understand that the word says, do not worry. Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. Trust me. And I bet you that Kate has had to work that out this week to trust God. It's not that she has no faith. It's not that she's a rubbish mother or a rubbish follower of Jesus. It's that she is talking about reality. Reality, church, is what we live with day to day. But actually, all right, we are supernatural in the sense of we have a supernatural God that fills us with his spirit, that trusts us with his, his plan, that we can go and see nations turned around. Nations turned around. Nations, do you hear that? Nations turned around. Okay, lift your eyes, lift your eyes, lift your head up to him, focus on him. That's what, that would be my encouragement. Look up, look up. No matter how you feel, look up. Look up and take pleasure in the God of all creation that made and created you and I for purpose. And it's not to sit on our blessed assurance in a row on a Sunday morning, just like, I don't know, what do you want to call yourself? Us, I'm me, I'm me. What do you want to call us? I don't know. See, I can't stand still on a Sunday morning. I don't know if you noticed this morning, I started here. And then before I know it, I'm swinging my leg forward and I'm thinking, oh, I hope I'm not kicking anybody. And then I find myself over here. I like looking and I like looking at you. And you might think, why does she keep looking at me? Why don't she turn around? Well, because I like you and I see God in you. It's okay to turn around and look at each other. It's really good, actually. Either I think, oh, heck, I don't want to be like that. Or I think, oh, what are the beauty? What beauty is in this place? Because if you watch and see and you're led by the Spirit, you see the Spirit of God. You see the Spirit of God moving. You see those that are stubborn to the Spirit of God. You see those that hear the Spirit of God but won't speak. If you let the Spirit reign and rule, you watch and see. What is the Spirit saying to you and me today. What's the Spirit saying to you today? What he's saying? Powerful time we live in. It's time to carry a different attitude. It's time to carry a different attitude. Just going to finish with Romans 10 that Joe read a little bit of. I'm not going to read it all. Romans 10, 9. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who believes in him will not be disappointed. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They all have the same Lord who generously gives his riches to all who ask for them. For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
But how can you call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is what the scriptures mean when they say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I can remember when I was a new Christian singing that song. There's a song that was written about how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And it's a real, do you know it? Yeah, it's a real like, do you know it? Don't you know that one? Anyway, it used to make me dance inside. And I love it because it's how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's our mission, our commission in God this morning. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's why you see beauty in your feet, Kate. How <laughs> She's always amazed me as she was a little girl. As she was a little girl, she just loves her feet. Cracking. That's absolutely brilliant. She's saying, will you just shut up? Our lives are called to glorify Jesus, to glorify our God, the maker of heaven and earth, the person that made you and I, the person who made... Sorry, Kate. I have to say, I'm really sorry, Kate. I feel as though you're being distracted. What, why you used to take photographs of your feet when we were on holiday? Listen, we've just found out, all right, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Kate, you bring good news every day of your life. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm serious. It's a serious point. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's my desire. Is it yours? To bring good news. Wherever you go, wherever you are, we're on a mission. That mission is his mission. The mission is to glorify him with our life. But we have to be in a certain place with Jesus, right at the feet of actually him who brings good news. We just need to kneel at his feet from time to time, if not every moment of every day, in our heart, be so very close to him that he can guide us and lead us with the power of his spirit that our lives will make a difference on this earth. Who for me? No. For you? No. For him. Will you stand with me? And that mission can take us locally, nationally, or internationally. And I thank God for people, we thank God for people like Joel and Caitlin. All those years ago, Bill and I used to be so concerned, I'm not going to say worried, because we trusted God, but we used to be so concerned at some of the stories we would hear of these two in their training in Venezuela. And all we could do was take our hands off it, pray for them, knowing that they were in the hand, in the palm of the hand of God, palm, his palm of his hand. And what? look what's happened. God has revealed the plan amazing isn't it what's come of that time in the jungle even with your little baby Levi isn't it incredible how God works miracles through our lives to bring him glory but it's a choice that we have to make we have to make the choice to sacrifice and come close and do what he says do